Travolting presents The Fraser's Edge. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Escape from Planet Earth with special guest Max Sullivan. Team presents The Fraser's Edge. This week we're discussing the 2012 Academy Award winning motion picture Escape from Planet Earth. Escape from Planet Earth. Wow. Directed by Cal Brunker um, and Tony Leach and starring Rob Corddry, Brendan Fraser, Sarah Jessica Parker, William Shatner, Jessica Alba, Jane Lynch, Craig Robinson, George Lopez, Sofia Vergara, Steve Zahn, Chris Parnell, and Ricky Gervais. Thank and, you for supporting the show. And I mean, I think it's worthy to just start right off the bat, Jeff, with this movie. If yes. you would agree, Mac, if you would agree, the cast he just listed. I mean, just they all came to town on this movie. Yeah, this is this is a um, a really substantial cast for a really substantial film. And I was really shocked that Fraser took a role that would you know require such an emotional draw. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and uh, we've talked a lot about how Freight Bendon's kind of in a low point in his career right now. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, people credit The Whale as his comeback vehicle. Um, it's all they, haven't, they, just, they just haven't seen this movie. Escape from Planet Earth. The fact of the matter Underrated, is... Underrated, underappreciated, but uh, well awarded. The fact yeah. of the matter is they, you just haven't seen this movie yet, folks. Yes. I, th- I think a lot of people think what I thought when you asked me to do this is that it was Journey to the Center of the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, sweet. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hop on that one. Uh, this one uh, I wasn't wasn't aware of, but uh, <laughs> not pretty in the center of the earth. Pretty, uh, you know, exceeded expectations. But when you watched it, Mac, and the awe and shock overcame you with this movie's prestige. Sure. Like, where did where did your mind go to? <sighs> it, that's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, my first thought. Uh, when I started watching this movie, was uh, why is Brendan Fraser doing this movie? Why did they? Why did? Why did the, the casting? Why did? Why did they want Brendan Fraser specifically to be, the star of this movie? Essentially, him and Rob Corddry are, a duo team. Correct. It's a two-hander. It's a two, and I think what up there along with films like The Heat. Yeah. You know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the Heat. I think what attracts. Um, a talent like Brendan Fraser to this movie and vis-a-vis attracts um, the casting agent to a talent like Brendan Fraser is his history in playing um, lovable goofballs. Yeah. Um, and characters whose hearts are as large as their muscles. And he comes from um, a very... Uh, and larger than their brains. It comes from a very... Uh broken household see see it comes from thing, a long lineage the, the, the thing of the thing that I, th- I think the thing that needs to be addressed here is um brendan fraser's uh role in this movie scorch supernova scorch supernova scorch supernova um just the best name brought up um on this alien planet with his uh one and only older that he calls younger brother um gary supernova now you now if you watch this movie you may think oh well well scorch got all the accolades and all the prestige prizes and um just memories of their childhood of being like the main hero but but i would argue that you know any type of sibling that grows up being known as like the dumb one you know i think it it requires a sort of 
emotional draw from what can I, I can only personally imagine coming from like a, a very dark place because Scorch, you see Scorch, um, it's not quite apparent in this movie, but you can I see it in some moments. Like he holds resentment against his brother. Absolutely. Be, I mean, right. Like yeah, you, yeah. you can kind of see how, you know, he, he has to overcompensate for his Inad- and perceived inadequacies. Yeah. And, and, and his, um, perceived inadequacies but also his like star-studded value he holds he holds value into his public perception being the scorched supernova that's why he doesn't listen to his brother right but yet he's always had that ripcord for when things do go wrong gary being the smart intelligent one um who also has to live with like the guilt of sort of failing his parents and taking care of his younger brother Sure. Because he gets him into all these sort of dangerous situations. And then the, comes the one situation where he, his brother essentially dies in this movie. I mean, not literally, mm-hmm. but like sort of like metaphorically, he, they all go through like a transference of self where they are introduced in, in, in the area 51. I'm bouncing ahead a little bit here, but you know, they, they get drenched with the area 51 frozen kryptonite goo. goo. Yeah. And it's at that moment, you know, Gary is looking at his frozen brother who sort of in his bright, dumb, goofy, optimisticness always think his brother's going to get him out. And it's this moment Gary knows that he's not. Sure. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting that you say that uh, that Scorch has something to prove here as as the dumber brother, because I think it, they make it very clear in the beginning of the movie um, that Gary's really the one who's behind the scenes and he knows that he's doing everything. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But... It, it, we come to the ma- first major plot point of the movie where he decides this is ridiculous. I'm going to quit. And Scorch just goes off and does it anyway. Yeah. Cause I, I don't think Gary has any disillusions of who is the more valuable brother ever in the movie. He knows that without him, Scorch is nothing. And he, and it's proven. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple R- times right away, essentially. Yeah. In, in the movie. Yeah. Um, and you know when when Gary does quit and Scorch, you know, goes off on his journey in in the long lineage of motion pictures um, about brotherhood, uh, including Rain Man, uh, Step Brothers, Brother Bear, Brother Bear, Four Brothers. Oh, brother, where art thou? Oh, brother, where art thou? Did you uh, say the Tobey Maguire and Jake Gyllenhaal brothers? Uh, yes, the uh, all the all the all the movies twins brothers. with Danny yeah. DeVito. Twins with Danny DeVito. The long lineage of uh, Super Mario Brothers. Uh, of course, I haven't um, seen it yet. Right, right, right. Yeah. The uh, the the greats, the giants mm-hmm. of, the, of the titans era. of industry. Yeah, the the titans of the brother genre. Yeah. Um, in the long lineage of that, um, this is a movie about realizing that you are not, you know, your the the joy of brotherhood is filling each other's pegs. Um, realizing that you are just large pieces of a large puzzle and that you can vigorously fill each other's pegs. Absolutely. They, yeah. they, uh, they, he, the pegs get filled. Yeah, there's That's... no brains without brawn. <laughs> um, but it, it, eventually it is yeah. it is the teamwork of the two brothers that... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that without your brother, you will get creamed, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the rest of the family as well. Yes. Uh, and and the idea of this of the brotherhood in this movie also transcends past family. 
because as as um um uh, apologies here folks as i'm looking up should i uh, quickly do a context corner well uh, i mean i just really quickly want to say you know as as um who plays the uh the rat alien that craig robinson that's craig robinson yeah why is craig robinson's role not coming up in the movie as much well that's because the area 51 guys erased any evidence of this movie from the internet Mm. Um, to hide the truth about aliens yeah uh, jeff i i think uh yeah carry on with the the uh, context corner context corner i'm having a hard time here figuring out all right so escape from planet earth um as i said earlier directed by cal brunker um, originally directed by Tony Leach. That'll be an important element of controversy as we delve into the context of this movie. So this movie um, was originally commissioned in 2007 by the Weinstein Company, Bob and Harvey, titans of industry as they were at the time, um, as essentially part of their foray into animation. They wanted to get hard into animation. Um, and so the movie gets announced in 2007. Uh, Tony Leach is very involved in the making of the movie um he gets replaced by cal brunker who is a storyboard artist for the ice age movies um noted titans of the uh, the industry those ice age movies manny the mammoth sid the sloth i mean ray romano's diego one of one of the saber tooth best performances yes of all time the baby from the first ice age movie and, yes played by uh bradley cooper yeah just astounding and so this movie runs immediately into controversy um, as Tony Leach, the original writer-director of the film, uh, signed an agreement for 20% of gross profit on the movie due to it being his idea. This very original movie, never before had a movie about an alien escaping Area 51 been done before, and Tony Leach coined it and uh, demanded 20% of gross profit. An under goal, if you ask me. Yeah, it seems reasonable. He should he should ask for 80% of the gross profit. Yeah, I Those mean... Are the, with, these, with a, an idea this original. Because we can understand if you're talking on the profit levels of hundreds of thousands or the lower millions, yeah. you might be apprehensive to the 20% ask. And you're like, no, we got to take every cent we have. But Tony Leach knew yeah. this was on the scale of billions yeah. of profit. Right. He, we're going to we're gonna tie Brendan Fraser on. Yes. And then he's going to get the rest of the cast to come on. Yeah. This is this is this is in the league. Of, rope them in. This is going to be bill- now, Jeff. At the end of our plot discussion, you'll talk about the post text of how much the movie really made. But yes. but I do think Tony Leach was onto something with this billion dollar concept. Yeah, billion dollar idea. Yeah, and uh, the Weinstein Company, um, as notoriously meddlesome as they were, Harvey and Bob, they had to put their hands in everything. Yes. <laughs> um, they uh, they demanded seventeen rewrites of the script, and delayed it. Upwards of six years, um, which kept all the animators on staff and ballooned the cost of the motion picture. You have to create, break a few eggs to make an omelet, as some would say. Well, and if we know of any, you know, thing that the wine scenes are really good at, prolonging a really, really disturbing problem was one of them. Yes, so. sure. But when you end in perfection. <laughs> yes, when, uh, when the end result is something like Escape from Planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it was estimated um, by... Tony Leach that he should have earned that his deal was worth upwards of 50 million in back profit participation. Once this movie, a very conservative number, I I should say 20% of the gross. He was expecting a 50 million, (laughs) cool 50 mil, (laughs) clean 50 mil off of, uh, 
know this movie. Very conservative. He he knew yes. that his twenty percent was really going to be which like two hundred million off of yeah, a which, billion dollar gross. Which, as you can detect, fifty million of gross profit off a movie of this would would expect about a, a two hundred fifty to three hundred million dollar gross. Mm-hmm. Um, which clearly this movie is building towards. Um, but they demand seventeen rewrites the line scenes, and the movie um, balloons in cost. The wine scenes enter into a deal with um, JTM Finances um, to get more money for the uh, movie in return for 25% of the profit to the financial institution, uh, which contradicts Tony Leach's agreement. Leach uh, sues the wine scenes um, uh, for breach of contract, and a very large legal battle ensues. This is what year, Jeff? Uh, this is in... 2011. Uh, Leach even alleges that the Weinsteins paid, tried to pay him $500,000 in hush money so that he wouldn't uh, interrupt their Oscar campaign for the King's Speech. Uh, you know, the overrated, not Escape from Planet Earth. It, it just, picture. it's a really Correct. disturbing That's fact how I think of it, that yeah. they're putting their chips on, you know, a movie as historically a fallacy. Like the King's Speech. Yes. Where they have the golden gem in front of them. Yes. Uh, the King, it, it is It is well known that the King's Speech is an entirely fictitious movie. Whereas Escape from Planet Earth is based on Real true life. facts. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, there's plausible deniability. Like, maybe it happened. Yes. At least. Yes. Uh, we, we should it's say a, this. There's a big cover-up happening. Before the Men in Black storm the headquarters of our recording and uh, take me hostage. We only have like a few minutes to really finish off this entire recording yeah. before we get arrested. They are coming. Um, we'll deal with that later. <laughs> Open up. It's the man in black. I need to speak to a Jeff Sweeney. And a, Not all. And a, uh, a Stuart Elmore. Uh, they're not here. <laughs> well, call us when they get back. I think I've just bought us some time. Yeah. <laughs> we we got to finish this episode, guys. We got to <laughs> reveal the truth about Alien, this movie that busted open the case. I mean, just ask Chris Parnell and the other guy who was at the 7-Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> they would know. They would tell you. Yeah. They're based on real people. It, Absolutely. They're based on me, actually. Really? You were, you, there? Se- you were at the 7-Eleven. Oh, I wasn't going to say anything, but me and Bill were hanging out there. Um, Bill. You know who. My best friend Bill. I can't, I can't say his last name because uh, it would tie him to the Men in Black conspiracy. But he would have the paperwork. What, what, what would uh, what was what was Bill's reaction? Uh, Steve Zahn plays the other guy at the Seven Eleven. Jeff, what was Bill's reaction to uh, this finding? Well, he can t- you like you know put us in the shoes of what Bill is saying here? Uh, Bill, well, when he found out, he's like, "Oh, I didn't know there were this many aliens on the planet," <laughs> and I can't say who that was but, <laughs> you know Bill and I you guys were just cooling at the 7-Eleven yeah we were just cooling at the 7-Eleven as, Bill, as Bill and I frequently do sure. <laughs> yeah after he uh, after he uh, you know swung his tail there's always these guys in suits following him around he doesn't know why <laughs> he's trying to... it's not like he was in any important position no he's never never um, well anyway the, the Weinsteins 
They're in, they're in a legal battle with Tony Leach over this movie. This is a true story, folks. This is uh, actual verified information. I'm not pulling your leg with this. Um, they file a brief with the Supreme Court of New York City to try and get their money, their profit participation back. Um, eventually, this legal battle is still uh, wailing as the movie comes out. And the day after the release of this movie, it just gets erased. The legal battle ends. Um, no details of the settlement are available online. But it can be assumed that the Weinsteins paid off Tony Leach a pretty penny to keep him from unveiling any more secrets about this movie. And I think it's only right that we have to ask the audience this question. You're listening to this, probably in the car. You have to think, these guys are pulling our tail about all these aliens and bullshit. No. But I want you to think, if we're not pulling your tail about this cover-up disappearance of the Supreme Court settlement, it would not be that difficult to then cover up the An truth alien. about Area 51. It's true. That's correct. It just seems so far-fetched that nobody will ever believe it. That's that's what they want you to think. Yeah. That's how they get you. What are in those court documents? We'll never know. We'll never know. And so af- so the movie does get released by the line scenes after all this with the new director, Cal Brunker, um, working on it. Uh, the movie's written by Cal off of an idea by Tony Leach, um, who, as we know, originated the idea and was removed from the project. But Cal Brunker keeps up this movie's transgressive ideas in the final product. And he knows that in order to blast out these transgressive ideas to the world, ideas that, you know, shake us to our core about our place in the universe, uh, he needs an A-list star to lead this cast. But the wine scenes aren't willing to pay a lot of money. So where can you find an A-list star who's maybe at a humbling point in his career? And they turn to the one man for the job. Brendan, Brendan Fraser. Fraser. As we've talked about, folks, Brendan's not at a high point right now. No. He's doing a lot of direct-to-video action movies, um, direct-to-video rom-coms, direct-to-video animated films. Um and so he is accessible. His mind is open to interpretation. And uh, Cal Brunker and the Weinsteins come along and they say, Brendan, we have the comeback vehicle for you. Imagine this. They say, Cal Brunker puts his hands on Brendan's shoulders. He says, Brendan, imagine this. What are you doing in my house? <laughs> <laughs> That's what Brendan says to him. <laughs> he says, how did you... Don't worry. Brendan says, how did you get in? <laughs> and Cal Brunker says, just listen. Imagine this. You're on a spaceship. Where are my kids? You're on a spaceship. Your name is Scorch Supernova. Brennan's like kind of flailing about, but Cal has his hands <laughs> on him. Um, you're on a spaceship. Your brother is in your ear telling you what to do. Your name is Scorch Supernova. You think you're invincible. What I'm going to presuppose to you is, what if you aren't? And Brendan was floored by that idea. He was floored like, so you're telling me I'm an infallible person? discovers he has flaws this is a plot that has never been attempted in motion picture history and then he says well imagine this even a little more my dear friend brendan you crash on earth and are kept in area 51 and and have to escape hence the motion picture's title escape Escape from from planet planet Earth." earth And Brendan says, are, you, oh, and are we going to have a bunch of in-jokes about science fiction movies in this? And Cal says, of course we are. Of course we are. And Brendan says, well, that, that hasn't been done before. That definitely hasn't been done in the past year. 
by a motion picture called Paul um, that just whips out of his head. Just hypothetical. It says no movie has had Never this exact same plot and come out within the past year in live action called Paul. Starring Seth, starring Seth Rogen, <laughs> hypothetically, is what Brandon says. James Franco. And Cal's, James Franco is, is not in this hypothetical movie entitled Paul. He's hypothetically not? No. Are you sure? Yes, I'm 100% sure. Well, if Seth Rogen's in it, he's probably in it. I don't know. <laughs> Jeff's <laughs> grabbing this, his DVDs right now. My hypothetical DVD of the hypothetical movie, Paul. Stuart, just look, open your eyes. Um. Anyway, so Brendan agrees to be in this movie. Um, it took a lot of persuading, but he was he was convinced to be in this uh, trans- this uh, ma- massive accomplishment of the um, the motion picture industrial um, economy. Uh, friends, do we wish to delve into the plot of this motion picture? Dare we? Please, I, I've, I've been waiting. I'm ready. <laughs> Re- you ready to dive in? Ready to crash land. Ready to crash land into the into the plot. Into the plot of of Escape from Planet Earth. All right. So we can escape from this podcast recording. (laughs) Uh, Stuart, this is important information we are getting out here. They're going to be back very soon. There's this is a no bits podcast. We're not doing a bit. We do no jokes. I'm fearful for my life for the Men in Black who might come back. Yeah. Well, don't worry, Matt. Convince them. I'm sure we can do it again if they come back. (laughs) Um, We'll ask case scenario. I'll call Bill, and he can sort this all out for us. Um. So this movie starts on planet Bob. Bob B A A B. Yes. Uh, like Beazelbub. Before. It's a it's a Mesopotamian name, uh, referencing you know the ancients' connections with the stars and those who come from the stars. As we know. As we know. As we know. Um, Scorch Supernova is our first guy. All right, pause. Yes. We have to talk about the name. Yes. The So what are the other aliens called on this planet? Um, I, Dick I, Casanova? Well, well, I, I think I can tell you. Yeah. Um, so we have... Kiri? Kira? 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 Gary? Kira Supernova, who plays the wife. Lena of, Thackelman? And then... We, we Gabby Babelbrook, all 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 uh, surprisingly uh, you know human human esque names. names. Yeah, the guy's name is Gary. And Mac, I ask you, what is Cal trying to say by saying that the aliens have human names? I'm not quite sure. Is he saying that we come from them and we adopted their customs, or is he saying that they adopted our customs? Well, that's an interesting point. Everybody in the movie, including. Uh, the other aliens that we find in Area 51 speak English and understand. It's true. Is this movie presupposing that the entire cosmos speaks English? Well, no other movie has done that before. Never, never been accomplished. No. And by that presupposition, is it saying that we are just, are we the originator of this evolutionary chain? Or are we merely its latest seed? As the, <laughs> we'll come back to that. <laughs> we'll come back to that. As the cosmos splugied all over, are we the latest seed of its fertility? Stuart, what are your thoughts on this? 
I think there, uh, the movie leaves a lot to the imagination here. Uh, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, disposition beforehand. There's not a lot of, uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, you know, exposition, uh, beforehand. Uh, so it leaves a lot to the, to the viewer. Yeah. Like, Uh, like, like your, like the films of Scorsese before him, um, Cal Brunkner leaves a lot open to our interpretation about what happened in the past. He doesn't spoon feed it to us. He leaves it in the mise-en-scene for us to discover. Stuart, what did you think about this? Well, I I, I can only impose on my own um, interpretations of who these aliens were called, the languages they were speaking, the fact that they have bathrooms and living rooms and shifts, a clock in, clock out. It seems very uh, anthropological. And Jeff, you mentioned the splooge that spread the seed. Yes, of course. As we all know. It almost sounds like a bang. Yes. A A big big bang. bang. And you know what else is a big bang? A supernova. Specifically the supernova that he unleashes upon Sofia Vergara's character after their wedding scene at the end of this motion picture. That's a big bang, if ever I've seen one. Quite big. So. (laughs) (laughs) So we're on Planet Bob. We're on Planet Bob. (laughs) Well, we're not really on Planet Bob. We are. To start the movie? Well, because we start with a mission. Correct. Where Scorch is on another planet. Yes, I believe it's called like the Grundlians or something. Something like that. And uh, he's on a mission to save some infant babies from the planet Bob. Yes. And while Gary is telling him, Scorch, you have to be very quiet because there's 1,200 of these Grundlians, our arch nemesis species. Yes. Which is something to say that Later in the movie, um, Ricky Gervais, who yes. voices the computer in this movie. Absolute gem of a character. Amazing. A flawless character. But does make a statement about how humanity is lost in its own ways of war and uh, nationalistic ideas and racial disparity ideas. And yet this movie has a self-commentary on itself because they themselves are admitting that they have an arch nemesis race. Yes, they are saying this. It is known. It is known. And so Even the infallible are fallible. What is Cal Bruckner trying to say here? That even the infallible are fallible. Yes. The most powerful among us may still hold petty vendettas in their hearts. Mm -hmm. A lesson that our hero, Scorch Supernova, is going to learn as well. But so he gets into the uh, spaceship where yes. the infants are and he causes a ruckus in the sound and wakes up the 1200 Glundians. Yes. Something that he wasn't aware of, even after Gary told him 16 times that they're 1200 Glundians. Not 12. Not 12, 1200. So a chase ensues. Scorch gets out with the babies and he succeed, succeed, successfully escapes from not planet Earth. Yeah. Planet Grundle fuck. Grundle fuck. Mm-hmm. That is the name, as we know. Mm-hmm. So he gets back to planet Bob. Uh, him and Gary have a quick little side conversation about 
Scorch's inability to listen to Gary's advice. Mm -hmm. And so right away, they're praising him for his deeds, but gets immediately assigned to another mission. The dark world. Yes. What is this dark world? We come to find out that the dark world is our world. Yeah. Planet Earth. And they provide what I genuinely thought was a somewhat incisive and funny sequence. Is this the Ricky Gervais historical sequence? Can we pause before quickly? Um, yes. Scorch gets sent to the dark planet, right? Yes. On a mission. Nobody questions what is he there to do? To save a crashed somebody crash landed there or whatever okay. it needed saving. There's a, there's a couple of plot points that are uh, brushed over fairly quickly. Yes. And I think that might be intentional. Yeah. They do just kind of quickly say you're going to the dark planet. He's like, yeah, right. This is, this is what mere hours after he's returned. Yes. No sure leave for a hero. I think what they're saying is, you know, as, as highly evolved as they are be as this, this workforce and this uh, civilization might be, they still haven't learned the uh, proper necessities for uh, unionization of their um, crews to get proper turnarounds. So mm-hmm. something that they might evolve to in the future yes. decades, centuries, millennia to come. So yeah, Gary is against this idea of going to the dark world. Yes. Cause he knows that anybody who goes to the dark world does not come back. Yes. And Ricky Gervais provides a historical lesson about earth that I found, like I said, truly incisive. Mm-hmm. Um, about how man is a um, a violent species, and the only planet that he says has evolved backwards from peaceful, loving creatures, and he says the mighty Brachiosaur, the dinosaurs, yeah. the mighty Brachiosaur, king of the dinosaurs, the mighty Brachiosaur. Its neck long, its skin firm, the mighty Brachiosaur. There's no other dinosaur. Yes. And says that they've now devolved into violent creatures who engage in war. And as he says, in quite an interesting bit of commentary, he says that that uh, in human warfare, the loser prospers while the winner falls. And I found that oddly interesting in that societies such as the Japanese and the Germans have prospered in the wake of World War II, whereas America has fallen into disrepair. What is Gervais saying? What is Cal Bruckner saying? Could it be too, too uh, insightful enough yes. that maybe our just our mammal brains aren't built for it, capable of understanding? Because overall, I feel like. All right, open up the metal block. No. What? doing here what the hell happened are we recording i thought we were off today what movie are we taught paul i see a dvd case of paul my notes say escape i guess we're talking about paul no we're talking about escape from planet earth remember that fucking movie oh that movie fucking sucked (laughs) oh my god one of the most ridiculous movies i've ever seen in my entire life oh i guess we're talking about escape from planet earth um Weird that we're talking about Escape from Planet Earth. I could have swore we were talking about Paul. 
much better movie. Very similar it was live movies. action that had the same concept. Yeah. But instead, we're talking about the cheap knockoff brand. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> animation. Weird. I remember what. Apparently, today is Saturday, May 27th. Yeah. I remember watching this movie two days ago. But I have no memories in between watching this movie and now. Yeah, I, d- I don't do even Do you guys know. remember anything? I don't even know how I got here. Yeah, neither do I. Oh, man. Yeah. Last thing I remember, I Escape from Planet Earth ended. And then I find myself in this chair right now. I have this weird two-day gap of time. And we're Ugh. still talking. Do you want me to stop recording, Jeff? No, we, we should we should continue. We should continue. Uh, my, my notes... It looks like... I'm just looking here, and it we have been recording for the past 30 minutes. Are we, have we all had some kind of collective you know, hypnos- hypnosis? Well, that doesn't exist, Jeff. It, it, would, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. No. No. no that's like ridiculous. Um, so, yeah... Um, it looks like, according to my notes, we were talking about this movie. Um, we were somewhere in the plot. I think so. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the plot of this movie? Not at all. Um, okay, I have, I've, I, I think I got this. I think I got this. All right, um, take us away. Yeah, the, this is such a silly movie. Can we just say that this is so silly? It's such a shame that Brendan has to slum it in like, you know, animated movies like this when he could be doing, um, you know, he's not getting the Pixar or the DreamWorks movies. He's getting, you know. The kind of like the, the third stuff. the third rate animation at yeah. this time. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah, and um, this I remember I might have nodded off a few times watching this movie. Didn't even remember. I was thank God I didn't have to like pay to rent it. That would have yeah. been really bad. <laughs> 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 that would have yeah. been really bad. I think I hold the same sentiment as you do, Jeff. Uh, I'm looking at my notes now, which yeah. I, I don't remember writing. But yeah. uh, the t- the headline is, why did R- Brendan Fraser do this movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it makes sense for some of the cast to, at the time. Like Jane Lynch, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. Like <laughs> well, I don't know. But, um, Jessica Alba. Did, George Lopez, sure. Yeah. You know? There's a certain degree of, like, comedic actor um, I would say Will Arnett's the ultimate example of this. Of like, yeah. the guy who just does a million animated movies. Right. He's the Lego Batman. Yeah, like, he does, like, you know, Lego Batman is, like, he's, like, pretty well, I would say, acclaimed for that, yeah. in a sense. But, like, Will Arnett's in, like, The Nut Job. He does so many dirt, terrible animated movies because he shows up for a day and just, like, records it all and probably gets, yeah. like, $500,000. He's got a good voice, yeah. you know? That's, like, that's, the, that's a great deal. That's the deal, like your your Craig Robinsons, your Jane Lynch's, your Steve Zahn's, George Lopez. They do a lot of animated movies. Yeah, and they aren't known for it. Like they do, they're known for their live action work or like their better animated work. But they just kind of work a lot and just do these things for kids. Um, they've established themselves into that role where they're able to jump between the world of like people love them when they show up, and they also just kind of do a lot of nonsense on the side. Yeah. Um, Brendan Fraser is not that kind of actor. At this point, or he is an A-list star. He, should only, he like only does A-list stuff. Um, but it's just a sign of where his career's at that he's doing this movie. Because if you're an A-list star, the only animated movies you do are if Pixar or DreamWorks comes. Calling. Absolutely, yeah. And so it's the fact that you know he's only been in flops recently. Uh, he can't get hired uh, from big movies anymore. Yeah. That really does exemplify why he's doing this. And that his co-lead in this movie is Rob Corddry? Yeah, who's like the like exactly the type of person who would lead an animated movie like this. Especially at the time, I it's would the think. same year he's doing Warm Bodies. Like, Rob Corddry is like well-known enough 
that it's like, oh, yeah, he should lead the kids' animated movie. While not being well-known enough to be like, yeah, he should lead Toy Story 5. Right, of course, right. yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, it's like, yeah, he, this makes sense that Rob Corddry is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Brendan Fraser is a very odd fit. Um, and it's kind of a shame that he's in this. Yeah. I think it shows, too, honestly, yeah. in the in, in the voice acting of it. Uh, his character is really the only one that's, like, over, over the top. Yeah. Uh, and, like, really, really acted out. Yeah, because he's, he's not a voice actor. Like, he, he has done one animated movie before that we've talked about. Uh, Stuart, you remember this, his his animated movie. Oh, my Sinbad God. Sinbad Beyond the Veil of Mist. The I, best, wish, I wish I had forgotten The best-looking movie. <laughs> I, I really wish. Mac, if, if, there gonna... was, if there was a technology out there that could erase certain memories in my mind, that movie I would love for it to just be erased, gone, like it had never had happened, like I never Mac, watched that. We covered this movie. Who was that? Who is that at the door? Is that Sinbad? <laughs> Sinbad here. Dude, I met Sinbad when I worked at WGN, the oh, comedian. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, guy's a fucking ridiculous guy. They need to get him to appear in, like, a Sinbad, the adventurer movie. I think that would be good. Yeah. I, I think he's in debt. He would do it. I think he's bankrupt. <laughs> oh, shit. So, Mike, this is maybe the worst movie we've ever covered on the show. Maybe the worst movie I've ever watched. Uh, it's called Sinbad Beyond the Veil of Mists. And it looks like a PlayStation 2 game. Uh, yeah, PS2, PS1. <laughs> How like, is this? This does not even look like a movie. <laughs> this is a movie. It looks like a video game intro So sequence. where's Brendan Fraser? What He's he Simbad. He's this guy. Okay. Um, This is his one foray with animated films prior to this. Okay, well, I can safely say that the, the one that we just watched is uh, better. Yeah, this, isn't, this is in the faintest praise I can possibly muster. A massive improvement <laughs> over Simbad Beyond the Veil of Mist. Set the bar low, and everything you do after that is better. <laughs> yes, that's him. Yeah. I saw him. He was wearing a a full tracksuit. <laughs> it's like lime green. It was awesome. That's awesome. Um, so I believe where we seemingly left off in our plot synopsis is um, Scorch was sent to the dark planet known as Earth. Yes. Um, right. Our planet. Yeah. And so Gary tells him he shouldn't do this. It's um, too dangerous. Nobody too dangerous, back. you know. He's like, Scorch, no, whatever. And that's the Marge Simpson. I don't know why I just did that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like, Scorch. No. Rob Corddry is Marge, Marge Simpson. Homie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Homer. Um <laughs> Uh, he's like, Scorch, and no one ever comes back. And he's like, well, Scorch, Sun Supernova, will. Because that's how Brendan talks in this movie. It's very, it's like kind of just an over um, performance of his like usual run of uh, like goofball guys. Stuart, do you agree? Yeah. Because like he, you know, through the mummies, through Monkey Bone and whatnot, he kind of plays this archetype a lot. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yeah, he might be an idiot, and he might be, like, all bronze, no brains, but you love him. Yeah. Uh, and that's very much what he's doing in this, but he's playing it to, like, 11 pers- like eleven out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, he agrees to go to the Dark Planet, um, and he and Gary get into an argument. And Gary decides to quit. Well, well, he sends Gary off to, uh, he's like, you know what, let's, let's just watch the video, Ricky Gervais's video first. Yes. And this this you know sixty second long thing, and while Gary is watching 
Ricky Gervais talk about yeah. people with beards and you know Simon Cowell yeah. or whatever. Jo- the weird Simon that, like, Cowell. Yeah, like, I mean he must have been big at the time, but yeah, like it's probably the it's the American Idol craze. I'm yeah, imagining. sure. Um, it does not play. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, ten years later, I don't know. yeah. Um, in that sixty seconds, dude just takes off. <laughs> yeah, uh, goes to planet Earth. Yeah, Gary quits, but not before you know making um a contract deal for Dark War Planet Cola. Oh, right. Something I thought would come back at the end of the movie and did not. Decidedly does not. Isn't ever mentioned again. Yeah. Um, yeah, Scorch zips off to Earth and Gary quits. While at the same time, Scorch tries to fire him because he doesn't support his brother, essentially going on a suicide mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Scorch jets across the cosmos towards Earth and he lands in the middle of nowhere in a desert. Yeah. And then he, that's when he sees a bright light in the distance. It goes up to a Seven Eleven, yeah. Um, where Steve Zahn and Chris Parnell are working as like two like kind of uh, do nothing clerks, I guess. Mm-hmm. They're kind of just there, yeah. And they're like, "Oh, alien!" And he's like, "Ah, human!" Uh, and suddenly, a bunch of guys in yellow hazmat suits show up. <laughs> That's the men in black, but I guess they're the men in yellow. Did uh, you get the little joke they were trying to do with this? Because every hazmat, like every pair of hazmat guys, they each have one part of a name of a famous director. I did not so like know. you, oh. James, you, Cameron, go get it. I did get, I did see that. That was, was like, the only yeah. one that I got. I didn't realize there was other ones. There, there was like one other one that I caught. And I think I looked at the trivia. There's like another one mentioned that I totally missed. Because he's like, James, Cameron, go get him. Um, but yeah, they, they show up and Scorch tries to do his superhero th- moves and defeat them but he is shot in the back and died by a general. <laughs> the, the the uh by william shatner who comes out of the 7-eleven to shoot him in the back which, which implies he was just uh, there yeah it's kind of weird maybe they know that the 7-eleven is a high attraction for aliens i'm guessing yeah. they say i like that i do like that one line where they're like why do all the aliens land near this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I like that concept because I feel like anytime you do watch a movie about an alien coming to Earth, they always they land, land near Area 51. They always land <laughs> near Area 51. It's in the desert. Or they land like near a convenience store. It's sure. always one of the two. Yeah. Um, like there's never a movie about an alien. He like lands just in, in Times Square or some bullshit. Right. <laughs> like, it's like, no, they land, they land at the 7-Eleven down the street. Yeah. Yeah. And like it makes sense they would pick like a random spot, but it's always like a fucking 7-Eleven or a convenience store. Yeah. Where the alien or the ghost or whatever shows up. So Scorch gets taken captive. Yes. <sighs> I got really tired of saying. <sighs> uh, by William Shatner. <laughs> second rebel. <laughs> Not going to crack that open yet. He's saving it. I need that Scorch juice. <laughs> or juice Scorch has. Uh, Dark Matter Cola. Dark That's... Matter Cola, right. Please put some respect <laughs> on the name. Please. Mac, what you sporting? This is a papillon, uh, papillon? monster. I call it a papillon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just to make people angry. Yeah. <laughs> specifically one friend of mine. Yes. <laughs> nice. It's interesting that this table is, you know, ha- you've got the Red Bulls and your monsters and, and competition. Water. water. <laughs> I'm just saying in terms of the energy drink, we have the competition going you on. You should here. have your espresso with you. You want me to make an espresso right now? I'll fucking do it. No, don't make, make an espresso, an espresso. Right now. You want espresso? Yeah. I want to fucking espresso. Okay. So, no. <laughs> so Scorch gets captured, and 
they meanwhile Gary goes back to the base or whatever because Scorch's capture is broadcast on all yeah, every, every TV scene. right yeah everybody's just watching him and he's calling out for Gary yeah and he, he realizes that Gary's not there yeah yeah and it's it's really depressing no it's 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 like it's moderately I would describe all the humor in this movie as moderately entertaining at best <laughs> like yeah there's like every now and again I'm like eh, that was kind of funny <laughs> there's no laugh out loud yeah. at all yeah and I think that most of the humor dries up halfway through the movie. Halfway. I kind of <laughs> thought the first half had some like, like I thought the Ricky Gervais, like human history lesson was actually kind of funny. And there's some good in jokes once he's in area 51. Um, but then once like Gary gets to earth, the movie just get, becomes so boring. Yeah. Yeah, because Ricky Gervais's character disappears. Funniest character in the entire yeah. movie. So so underused. He literally commits to it. He blows himself up. Right. And, yeah. and possibly the funniest sequence of the entire <laughs> yes. movie. Um so yeah, Scorch is taking captive, they're performing experiments, they get the suit, they get the reactor yeah. that the suit was transporting, I guess. Yes. And then Gary decides to makes the decision that he's gonna go to Earth. Well, yeah. It, it, in, in in a weird moment that I thought, um, so his son runs over. He's like, you know, pretends that he's in bed, and uh, he's like, I'm gonna go save my uncle. So he runs to the research facility or whatever the the mm. space station and uh, hops in a, a a a spaceship, and then Gary and his wife it's a Toyota Mac, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Toyota Camry. <laughs> That's my car. Uh, uh, Gary and his wife, they stop the spaceship from from leaving, yeah. and it's like, and and it's just under the wire, you know. But Gary's the only one on the spaceship, and you think, like in my mind, it's like, oh, it's just gonna take off with Gary, and yeah. he's just gonna go. But instead, there's this weird moment where he saves it from taking off, and then in a split second, also decides to just take off anyway. Yeah. Which yeah. I, I thought was just a terrible moment. It was so strange, wildly yeah. unnecessary. Yeah, <laughs> like like what what just just go, just yeah. like have him go, like. And then he, and then it's you know the character is like in over his head, and yeah. that, that's something, you know. Because now we have this this weird situation where he's in over his head, but like willingly, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I'm gonna go to Earth instead of just like accidentally getting thrusted there, and he has to save his brother instead of wanting to save his brother. Right. Yeah. But he gets there, and then he also gets to the Area 51. Yeah, he gets to the same 7-Eleven, and or, of yeah, course all the of guys, the yeah. fucking guys are there. They give him a uh, fro- Frosty. He gets a Slurpee. Slurpee. Frosty is Wendy's. Right. He gets a Slurpee. He gets brain freeze in a in yeah. a, a moment that's, you know, obviously supposed to be funny, but it I, is it? I, you I know think what it was just bad. energy yeah. this movie has. Bad. No, you know what? <laughs> well, yes. You know what the specific energy this movie has? Feature length Jimmy Neutron episode. Oh, uh, yeah. I can see it. Doesn't this like have like the same energy as a Jimmy Neutron yeah. episode? It kind of even looks similar. It's like Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius era. Yeah. Only 2013. Like it's like the sci <laughs> yeah. like the sci-fi plot kind of goofy aliens. Um, and then just kind of half-written jokes thrown Yeah. In. It feels very Jimmy Neutron. Yeah. No, I would agree. Um but yeah, he like even the jokes like you know the brain freeze and all that. It seems like some shit that Sheen would do. Remember Sheen? Also voiced by Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Mac, did you ever watch Jimmy Neutron? I, d- yeah, a couple. Uh, you know, it's been a very long time. 
my favorite thing is that they made a spinoff show called Planet Sheen, like eight oh years God, after Jimmy Neutron did. stopped airing. For some reason, they're like, time to go back to Sheen, guys. This is um, what the people want. Literally, no one watched it. It got canceled very quickly, but it's my understanding that it never establishes Sheen getting off the planet. So whenever you watch a Jimmy Neutron episode in the future, if that becomes they're on evening, Planet Sheen, just imagine that Sheen, like this guy that you, he just gets like sucked to another planet and never. But if any Jimmy Neutron side character deserves a spinoff, it's Carl Weezer. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Like, what is Jimmy, this? Jimmy, your mom's hot. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy. Can I see your mom? I can't say that I would watch that either. <laughs> uh, you Wait, you don't mean you wouldn't watch like 10 seasons of Carl Weezer going, Jimmy's mom, would you like a course, course on? <laughs> you know, I would watch maybe one episode yeah, if it was like that. It would just oh. followed him. The cor- no, the correct spinoff to Jimmy Neutron would be Carl Weezer, but 20 years later, and he's just, like, sad, fat, and alone in, like, <laughs> a fucking apartment in downtown Brooklyn. Well, as um, I've always said, that the, the next Jimmy Neutron thing that we need, and and this kind of carries into say it. the other TV show that, Mac, we need another Jimmy Timmy Power Hour. Oh yeah, well, there needs to be a Jimmy Timmy Power Hour. We for. have litigated this we on need this show. A power Hour Four. I just don't think the third one did not tie up the Timmy Jimmy friendship pact that they made from the first movie. It just doesn't ties up very well. I I you know I love Fairly Odd Parents. Uh, right? Who doesn't? Uh, the animation style of Jimmy Neutron always threw me off. I never got into it. The it's Timmy Tur- Timmy Turner and Jimmy's universe fucking terrifying. His mouth yeah. goes up to here. <laughs> and he's like Heath Ledger's Joker. Like, you want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> like, but no, I, I I have a pitch for Jimmy Timmy Power Hour 4 that I will not say on the show as I've already yeah, litigated. Keep that in the pocket. Cause, but, you know. but it is live action. It's not animated. Who it's do like, you have playing Jimmy Neutron? Uh, I have... Um, Chris looking at his notes right now. <laughs> no, he's like he's got it written down. No, I, 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 I have the. Um, well, it was the a guy t- from it the was, bear. It, it was play. it was a tie. Yeah, that would be great. Well, uh, Jeremy, what's his name? Strong. Play that's is that his name? No. Wait, who no. who are we talking? The about? guy from the bear, the cook, shameless. Oh. I don't know. I don't know his name. I, I know what you're I talking about. Jeremy Allen Wright. Yeah. Jeremy Allen Wright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, I have him. I would have him as my Timmy Turner. He's your Timmy Turner. He's my Timmy Turner. No, that makes sense. Jimmy Neutron would either be Daniel Radcliffe or um, a little old. No, does this take place? Well, I mean, it takes place in the future. It does take place in, like not in the future, but modern day, okay. which means Jimmy Neutron would be old. So it'd either be Daniel Radcliffe or Matthew Lewis. Matthew Lewis, who played Neville Longbottom in Harry Potter. Okay, so it's somebody, but, somebody from Harry Potter. But <laughs> but Matthew Levin today quite a snack because you think Neville Logbottom in the Harry Potter movies is like you know he's dorky nerdy had buck teeth but Matthew Levin if you look at his photos like today he's been doing a lot even by the the uh, last Harry Potter movie is probably looking pretty good yeah you know he's a snack he's a snack you know uh, (laughs) that's your word but uh are we talking like I get where you're going Doritos or are we talking like orders we're talking charcuterie board snack Mm. hmm So yeah, 
But Jeremy Allen Wright as uh, Timmy Turner. Okay. So <laughs> you write it and uh, I'll watch I it. Already <laughs> wrote it. I already wrote it. Mm. See, he has actually written the pitch for this. I've seen it. Sadly, <laughs> um, Jeff, would you like to know? Would you like to tell Mac what happens in like the the re- first act I of the movie? Really don't. Um, Timmy Turner is actually dead, <laughs> and Jimmy Neutron has to go back in time to save Timmy Turner. Back to their childhood, because the trauma of losing his godparents and being this memory being erased but not quite erased enough. Combined with the trauma of Vicky and his negligent parents. That's some deep stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but that's almost Timmy, as Timmy Jimmy Power Hour Four saving Timmy. You Turner. know what that's almost as deep as? Coming to you July nineteenth, twenty twenty five. That's almost as deep as the rift between Gary and Scorch Supernova, um, when Gary gets to Area fifty one. Oh shit, yeah. We're still talking about Escape from Planet Earth. I'm <laughs> so, sorry, guys. Yeah. I totally forgot that this was the episode. So they go <laughs> We're not talking about Wishology anymore. That was like the longest m- episode ever. It was a long episode. <laughs> it took us so fucking long to get through that movie. Um, yeah, we're, we're still at the beginning of this movie, <laughs> essentially. Like they, He just got to planet Earth. Gary. Well, Gary gets captured by the hazmat suits yeah, yeah, in Area yes. 51. He also gets taken to Area 51, and that's when he gets introduced to the squad, the alien squad. There's Io, played by Jane Lynch. Yes, yeah, she's a big brute. There's Doc, Played by Craig Robinson, who's, who's a rat. Like, yeah, rat. He's he's kind of like Talking the, rat. the, the com- Ro- comic rocket relief raccoon. Character. Yeah, and uh, then there's Thurman, which is like a slug, three-eyed monster, played by George Lopez. Yes. And then there's Scorch. He finds Scorch in the in the Area Fifty One cell, mm-hmm. and they find that the whole scheme of it is the general has been has a pact with the lead lady of Planet Bob. Yes. That's like as a, one does. As one does. Because they're boyfriend girlfriend, I guess. Online alien dating. Yeah, they're hot. They're 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 doing stuff. He puts on Elvis hair. And yeah, he looks suave. It says that they met online, which it, it, there's a lot in that. Uh, when he <laughs> when he's first when he first gets there, there's a lot of kind of interesting. I don't know. He like it's assuming that multiple planets have the internet. Mm-hmm. Um. And that Gary would know who, yeah, uh, who, like who Apple is, you know, uh, you know, Doc has this whole speech about like, yeah, you think, you know, these guys invented Apple? No, like we did. Yeah, aliens invented all the cool like social media, technology. Yeah. yeah. And the last final creation that is being made right now that Scorch's reactor that was smuggled in his suit is to power essentially a Death Star. It's like a yeah laser gun. It's a laser gun that can destroy planets. That's pretty sick. In which uh, Gary and Scorch then destroy said weapon, but then uh, the general freezes, kryptonite freezes Scorch, holds him like hostage essentially and makes yes. Gary have to fix it. So Gary makes another reactor, or he fixes the one that he broke, mm-hmm. and then he activates the gun again. But then the general betrays them because all the aliens think once we finish this last yeah. device, we get to go home. How many guys were here? So at the you base? Just skipped over a tremendous amount of the plot. Really well, right? Yeah, <laughs> did you y- like that? You thought you were slick. And do you like that? But no, we're we're gonna excavate every <laughs> fucking scene. But so no. then the aliens are like, yeah. well, but but we're we're gonna be allowed to go home after we finish this death laser. Oh, really? How many of the aliens were here before? Oh, there were a few of us. 
And where do they go? Well, we assume they were just let back home. So anyway, the general does not do said yeah. thing. The, the general. I want to quickly talk about the general. Uh, of course you do. No, because he's voiced by William Shatner, who I think is the best performance in this movie. Because well, the thing about William Shatner is when he's bad, he's good. Oh. Like, that's kind of his whole appeal, is that if he just walks in and starts talking like this, you're like, ha, that's William Shatner doing it again. Um, It's the same thing as, like, the grumper you can get Tommy Lee Jones, and the less Tommy Lee Jones wants to be in your movie, the better his performance is, because he's just so pissed off that he's there. Um. The worse William Shatner is, the better he is. And he gives like this incredibly it's like 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 morose backstory for himself that he was out with his dad stargazing and an alien spaceship landed directly on his dad and killed him. Right. And that because of that he teamed up with these three little gray aliens and founded Area 51. Yeah. Which is yeah, it's essentially just his operation at yeah. this point, you know. Seemingly has like doesn't really have much government affiliation. We right. Really go into that. Like, he's he's like the general. Yeah. But like, like how do the hazmat guys get paid? Well, the it, it, it you know it, in that monologue that Doc gives, it's like oh you know we invented all this technology, and then there's like pictures of him with like you know Steve Jobs yeah. and Bill Gates, and it's like oh okay, the general's making a lot of money from this mm. tech shit. Yeah. I think that's basically what the Men in Black movies do as well. Is like at one point, Tommy Lee Jones is just like, "Yeah, microdisc <laughs> invented that." Mm-hmm. Thank God those guys aren't real. Yeah, no such thing as the Men in Black, as we all know. I mean, just yeah. can you imagine like getting your memory wiped and just having blocks of time erased? Yeah, that suck. It is weird. I can't remember the last two days, but yeah, it yeah, is kind of weird. Yeah. But I'm sure there's a reasonable explanation. Yeah, it happens. I think it just happens yeah. to the best of them. acid flashback kind of thing. Red mm-hmm. Bull, maybe yeah, Red Bull. Yeah. It does give you wings. Yeah. Um, All those memories flew right out of my head. Mm. So Gary finishes the laser. Yes. And then he freezes Gary, and but then when they try the laser, the laser blows up, and along with all of the pods that the aliens are in, freeing them all. Mm-hmm. So then there's a mass escape. Uh, they get That's when the mom, Gary's wife, and her son, they are able to pilot the ship over to Earth. Yeah. And then they get on the ship, but then they're being chased by jets. And I thought this was, this was a perfect opportunity for an Independence Day, Day joke. Yeah. Of like... I was supposed to be at a barbecue. It's what about a perfect joke? But so this is around the time when it. Scorch and Gary make up, right? Yeah. Uh, the two of them make up. Um, yeah. After all of the aliens get released from their their captivity, yeah. right. they're like, "We need each other." You know, we uh, we fill each other's pegs. Yes. Whatever you said earlier. <laughs> Something. When did he say that? Uh, yeah, that feels like an intrusive thought. Memory um, of that. Uh, whoever said that was making weird sexual jokes about this kid's movie. Yeah. Um, Jeff would never do anything yeah, like that. I would never do a thing like that. Of course. Uh, Bill would, my friend Bill, um, who I haven't seen in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but so uh, the, they make up that, uh, you know, they need each other to yeah. finish everything. And they're going to team up to finish out this mission. Yeah. And they do rescue the crashed aliens, as was the original objective. Yeah. And and they uh, they're on the run and they think they got away, but then the general puts on the Iron Man suit. Yes, and uh, 
quickly we fl- we flash back to kind of what's going on on Bob. Yeah, this is the whole the Gary's wife, played by Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, Kira. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kira um, is in a fight with um, the alien leader who's in love with William Shatner. Just Alba, all. right? Yeah, Jessica Alba. Um, they're in a fight because she's bringing weapons to Earth that the general's going to use to destroy the universe. Yeah. Um, or destroy any intelligent life besides humans. Yeah. And so um, that's happening. Meanwhile, Kip, uh, Gary's son, is still on Bob, and he like hears his dad yelling through the intercom. And he puts on the headphones and takes his dad's place at the guy in the chair. Yeah, son taking over the father's job or yeah. whatever. It's a whole big family thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so then the ship gets trapped by uh, the general's Iron Man suit, which was Scorch's suit, tractor beam. And so they jump out of the ship and fight the general. And they're able to blow up the suit, and then they're falling midair. Yeah. And then... And the, there's like a decent moment where they're falling, I think, where they're like... Yeah, we're going to fucking die. So. Yeah, we're going to die. It's, like, it's been thanks, great. Thanks, brother. And yeah. then, like Albus Dumbledore does in the Goblet of Fire when Harry Potter, or no, not Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban, when Harry goes up and he gets dement, dement, Dementor suck out his soul, passes out and flies 10,000 feet, and then everybody's in shock, and Dumbledore stands up and says, Arresto, Memento, or whatever, and then it goes flat. The little gray men do the same thing, and they stop them from falling to the ground. The, the, the little guys who... We're on the general side. And and now uh, sound like the Beatles? Is that, uh, <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. They all have to go, oh, yeah, mate, that's crazy. But, yeah. <laughs> Which, it's funny that there's three of them. Yes. That's interesting Meaning there should choice, be a distinct yeah. member who's not a part of them anymore. Uh, that's yes. all I'll say about that. Mm. Uh, anyway. John Lennon got sucked into space, man. Uh and uh, they say, but weren't you working for the general? It's like, well, yeah, but we that was just because we felt bad for what we did with his dad. But ever since the whole plot about wanting to destroy the universe, we thought this guy's crazy. <laughs> and so they uh, they 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 get back on the ship, and then they get back to Earth, or Bob. Sorry, they get back to Planet Bob. Get back to Planet Bob, yeah. And uh, the movie ends. Scorch Scorch uh, gets married. Yes, Scorch gets very married. quickly. Yeah. To the newscaster lady. Um, yeah, he gets married to the newscaster lady, played by Sofia Vergara, in her you know finest work. I, yeah. yeah, I I couldn't even realize that. Uh, like I I didn't recognize that was her until I looked at the cast after. She, she barely says anything the entire yeah. movie. Um, yeah, she like has the one scene at the beginning and the one at the end. Right. Uh, but we're led to believe like him marrying her is like his big fulfillment of. Which, like, the movie's about fulfilling this family bond. And so it's kind of weird that his, like, finale is he gets married. Right. He likes- I, I think I think a lot of it would have been a lot better thematically if it just focused on the brother relationship. Yeah. Than uh, the kid and yeah. uh, the wife. and. I mean, if you can really feel, like, apparently the Weinsteins requested 17 script rewrites of this movie. And you can really feel that. Um, there's like giving me weird yeah, it's a little all right. over the place. Oh. You can really feel that there's a significant amount of rewrites in this movie, yeah. uh, diluting the central idea that's about two brother aliens crash on Earth, have to like reforge their bonds and get out. Yeah, if you kept it at that, there's there's a movie there. I I agree. Um, so they they do manage to escape and they go back to Bob and um 
Everything's a-okay now. All the evil bad guys are stopped. Um, that's the movie. Do I mean? There, is there anything else that we missed that was interesting? No. <laughs> uh, there is one moment where they make a very tasteless "Don't ask, don't tell" joke. Oh right, they do say that. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Hey, the, don't ask, don't tell. Because like the William Shatner character puts like a wig on, and uh, Gary's just like, eh, "Don't ask, don't tell." And I'm like, "All right, buddy. Okay, we don't need this." This is this movie comes out in 2013. Yeah. You you can't even use like oh it's a Bush era movie. And I'm like all right, yeah. No, but like, it is like uh, you know, the Hangover era. Yeah, that's um, true. But it is a kids movie as well. Yeah, that that's the weird element of it. Is like there's there's a lot of jokes there, you know, that didn't really land with me. And yeah, you know, in every kids movie they try to throw in a little bit of something yeah. to uh entertain the poor enter- parents yeah the, the parents who have to go there like in the beginning when ricky gervais is explaining planet earth mm-hmm. he's like oh they worship guys with beards and they show a picture with of of gandhi and then they show a picture of zz top which yeah. i thought was like really it i don't know if it was necessarily in poor taste but like it just wasn't funny yeah um and like like when these movies do put these like adult jokes in they're usually kind of hidden like right. a kid wouldn't get it, mm-hmm. but the, the the like the Don't Ask Don't Tell one just feels kind of like very specifically timely because I think this is the year that Don't Ask Don't Tell gets repealed. Yeah. <laughs> so it just feels it just has, it feels very odd to put this in this kids movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was that. Um, apparently James Gandolfini is almost cast to play the Shatner role in this movie. Which I just want to point out that had he have done it, this would have like been his last role. <laughs> Yeah. This movie comes out two weeks before his death. So, yeah, definitely, uh, I, I would say, f- for the best, for his uh, <laughs> legacy. To not be uh, as impacted by him playing fucking yeah. the general in Escape from Planet Earth. Although, you know, maybe the you know the box office does better if, uh, you know, one of the actors <laughs> dies yeah, uh, right, before right, after, right after, you know. Yeah, how much money does this movie make, Jeff? So this movie comes out February 15th, 2013. Um, it has a budget of $40 million. Damn. Which you might be like, hmm, I don't really see that on the screen. Um, it is because, like I, like, uh, I said, it took six years to make this movie because they kept rewriting and changing it. it. Weirdly, this becomes kind of a passion project for Harvey and Bob Weinstein. I don't fully know why. They're not really the most talkative guys about this. Um, it seems like they were just really trying to get into animation and they thought this was like a real big like opportunity for them to slide into the market. Hmm. Uh, but it comes out $40 million budget makes 74.6 billion overall, which is more than the budget, but overall becomes a tremendous flop. It opens number four in its opening weekend. Um, and just never really recovers, um, loses a lot of money. Mm. Um, what's his name? Tony Leach, the original writer of this movie, who sued the wine scenes. Apparently, um, didn't talk about that this episode, but um, yeah, he never mentioned yeah. that, right? But yeah, you know, but apparently he aware. sued them uh, for a decent amount of uh, profit participation. It's probably good he didn't get that because he wouldn't have made any money. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, whatever he you know settled at got bought out for. It's probably more than he would have made portion yeah yeah and so um movie's a big flop 
gets poor reviews. 35% Rotten Tomatoes with an average of 4.6. Um, um, and uh, in terms of Brendan for this, it doesn't really like... It's just another flop in yeah. a string of flops. Right. Doesn't help, obviously, but in terms of how much it like wrecks him it he's already being wrecked yeah so this is just to add to the tally it's just people pointing out and being like uh, oh that the shitty animated movie that just came out brendan fraser's in that yeah what's he up to i don't think that you know people saw it or even like saw the reviews and thought oh brendan fraser's career's yeah. going down uh, they, they think like oh it's you know it's a little stupid kids movie that he did yeah. so i think it probably gets a pass for this one that's that's yeah. the one good thing about movies like this. No matter how bad they are, you don't really like you suffer for it. Yeah, right. It's just like it's an easy paycheck with minimal career hit. The career hit Brendan takes is from having to do this movie at the where he's at in his career. Because yeah. like an A list star doesn't do a thing like this. Well, eventually, I think he's just kind of in that career mode where it's like it's bad movie, bad movie, bad movie. But when that one good movie comes along, then it'll all be then the, much the better. The roles will start coming right. pouring back in. I mean, I, and one could almost argue it's harder to be in the reverse, mm-hmm. to be in a good mode, because then you are expected to have only good movies come out, and if you have one bad movie, then it changes how everybody views you yeah. as an actor. Sure. So, so what do you think is the movie? Uh, you guys have been through quite a few before yeah. this that sent him into that downward uh, trajectory. Oh, wow. it's it's a it's a chain of them, but yeah. the movie that kind of ends it is like Inkart. I think. Yeah, Inkart and. I mean, you can't really say G.I. Joe, but Inkar and Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, probably. And what's funny enough is we talked about this in the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, as we mentioned also on the recap, but like that movie made money. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of a success, but it was just sort of like the landmark finale ending to Brendan Fraser's action role career because he just couldn't do him anymore after yeah. that. Like his body's too broken. It makes sense. His body was too broken to do that movie, to be honest, but still. And Inkar yeah. is just bad. Yeah, it's <laughs> like just bad, bad. He kind of just he does the mummies, which are very successful, and then he tries to do other big blockbusters, and none of them work. Um, whether he's doing his same shtick, which is like you know, big lovable goofball action star, or something like uh, Monkey or Monkey Butt's kind of in that vein. Um, but anything he tries in the blockbuster realm, nothing works besides the mummy movies. Okay, and then when he tries to do dramatic work, it's either like no one sees it. Or people see it, but there's another actor who gets the acclaim in that movie. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, Brendan Fraser was in that movie, in the Michael Caine movie, or in right. the Ian McKellen movie, and so he never really gets a foothold after the Mummy. The Mummy's kind of like his big appear, like big, like I'm a major A-list star, and then he never really manages to grab anywhere else so, and establish himself. So while he's in this downward spiral, yeah. do you think that accepting this movie as well as you know, the wine scene suit we keep yeah. talking about, but uh, it's their foray into animation. You think it's Brendan Fraser's, because this is supposed to be a big blockbuster movie as well yes. with the cast and that, you know, at, at the time there's lots of very big anima- mm. animated movies coming out um, from DreamWorks, uh, mostly yeah. I would think, but uh, the, Disney. This is very weirdly, I, I haven't said this, but this is probably his most high profile movie. Um, oh, really? In this In this period. Yeah, well, it, it it's a it's a, I would think you know it's like maybe he was trying to get into the world of I can't do these yeah. action movies anymore. I'll just 
do animated yeah. movies. I'll vo- right. voiceover. My body's a little broken, so I'll just uh, do voice. Yeah. Because, Mac, I'm going to run down all the movies post-Inkart that okay. Brennan Fraser's in and sure. tell me how many of them you know. Uh, Extraordinary Measures, Furry Vengeance, Whole Lot of Soul, Escape from Planet Earth. I know that. A Case of You, Hairbrained, Pawn Shop Chronicles, Breakout, Gimme Shelter, The Nut Job. I, none. That, that, uh, besides Escape from, uh, sorry, Journey to the Center of the Earth. I've, <laughs> I've, again, I'm mixing up those two. That's like his run um, in this period. And this is the most, this is the highest budget of those movies. There you go. Wow. It, and what I'm getting at is if this movie turns out a lot better than it did, yeah. do you think Brendan Fraser becomes a voice actor and just does animated movies only? That might have been a career path for him, honestly. Maybe. Like, yeah. it seems like after, you know, that run of movies, he might be considering, you know, his options. Because mm. he seems very committed to, like, getting back to doing interesting, dramatic work, which takes him 10 years and he does finally accomplish. But, like, where he's at in his career, because he just got over a divorce, his body is, like, physically broken. He goes through, I think, 13 surgeries on his back. Yikes. Um, some crazy number. Um, I can really see a guy like him just being like, I'll just do these animated Just sit movies. in a chair and in yeah. a recording booth. But I think it's somewhat to his credit. I mean, this movie flops, and his other animated movie around this time, The Nut Job, I believe also flops. Uh, I would have to look. A safe assumption, yeah, I would say. Yeah, pretty safe assumption. We'll talk about that movie in a few weeks. But um, it's a lot of anime flops, and that in couple with his like innate, desire to do dramatic work I think is what does lead him to leaving movies and doing television for a little bit Mm. because he gets like even if they're not like great shows he does eventually kind of rebuild himself in the world of television Mm. and then come back to movies five years later stronger than ever yeah um and so I can feel I can definitely see like he might have he probably had that internal dilemma of like do I just do this is this what I do and talked himself out of his long dark night of the soul and was like, no, I'm going to rebuild myself. Um, this is what heroes do. <laughs> That's how winning is done. Yeah. That's how winning is done. It's me as Rocky. Uh, yeah. All right. Hey, well, and hey. that, and that's. You uh, see me last night. I real good. And that's uh, Planet Earth. Rescue uh, from Planet Earth. That is Planet Earth. Check it out. Yeah, I feel like this was a kind of short episode. You know, I don't know how much we recorded before. Um, well, like it's, before, like we just remembered that we were here. It, but, it said thirty yeah. minutes on the recording tape. Really? Wow. So there's a thirty minutes more than I remember on this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I have to go back and listen. To I that. wonder what that's going to be like. I'll uh, definitely check that out when it drops on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or YouTube, um, or Amazon Music, or anywhere else that you can find it. Yeah. Uh, quickly, do we have any final thoughts on this movie? Anything else we want to say before we start wrapping up? Before we start escaping from planet Earth, <laughs> planet podcast, planet podcast. <laughs> uh, none for me. Mac, any other thoughts? I don't know. I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. This nope. has been a blast. Thank yeah. you for coming on. Uh, we'll have to have you back sooner rather than later. Yeah. Absolutely. Hopefully when, on a good movie. Whenever. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get you back for a good movie next time. <laughs> Who you got on the nut job? <laughs> <laughs> we I'll uh, we have 
At this moment in time, we have returning guest Francis Hutchison coming oh, back wow. for the Nut Genesis. No shit, I didn't know yeah. that. That's coming fantastic. back from the Three to Tango music video. Oh, Be sure to tune into that. Said. Um, he te- uh, yeah, she is scheduled to do the Nut Job coming up. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Stuart just gave me quite the look. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening to this episode, Escape from Planet Earth. Um, Mac, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, it was such you. a pleasure. Um, make sure to tune in next week for our episode on A Case of You. An episode we definitely haven't already recorded. Um, a Case of You coming up. Stuart is in the same document as me right now. I can just see him flickering his little finger about. Um, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, a Case of You next week. Um, in the meantime, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe whatever platform you're listening on. I listed them out already, so I shan't do it again. Pop into our Reddit, r slash Travolting. Find us on Twitter or Instagram at TravoltingPod. Pop into our, um, I already said the Reddit. Email TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Stuart, anything you want to plug? Uh, nope. Mac, anything you want to plug? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> season 10 finale already came out. <laughs> Uh, special th- and uh, special thanks as always to Rebecca Johnson for the graph design, Michael Van Bodegum Smith for the theme music. Make sure to tune next week for Travolting presents the Fraser's Edge covering a case of you. Have a great week, folks. Bye.